Man, was it not good? How many of y'all were here Wednesday night? Come on, Wednesday night. Most of y'all were here. A lot of y'all were here. Some of you knew what we did. We had four, four days in a row where we just had service every night. Come on, that's what we do. We, we just we call it revival. Um, man, there was a point in Wednesday night service where, do you remember, remember what Bishop Apostle, whatever you call him, Ron Carpenter, what he had us do? Remember he had a shout? Come on, do you guys remember when he had a shouting at the altars? And, and, and how many of y'all know that God was doing something in that moment? Yeah, how many of y'all know that God was doing something in that moment? There was something powerful happening um, in that moment. We believe in a God who still is active in our lives. Yeah, yeah. And, and in that moment, I wanted, to, I, wanted to, I wanted to share something. I felt like God said, share with 180 what I spoke to you at that altar. Because as we're shouting what was happening, he had us, he had us shouting for something. Believe in God for a breakthrough in our lives. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, yeah, believe in God for to do something, to move in an area of our lives that we want to see him move. And as I was praying, y'all, as I was praying, I was like, God, what do I want to see you do? The only thing that kept coming out of my heart was, God, I want to see revival in this generation. I said, God, I want to see revival in this generation. I want to see revival in this generation. I want to see revival sweep through our schools. I want to see revival sweep through our families. I want to see revival sweep through our cities. I want to see a revival in 180. I want to see, I want to see it. And I remember, man, I was shouting, I was shouting, I was shouting. I was like, God, hallelujah. We were doing the ugly thing, you know. We're Pentecostal church. We might get a little emotional sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. We might get a little emotional sometimes. I mean, we're shouting. Come on, y'all, y'all looking at me like you weren't shouting. I watched y'all. Y'all looking at me so reserved today. I saw y'all on Wednesday. Y'all look at me all reserved. You know what's crazy? I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to that here in a second. I'll get to that here in a second. But I, I, I remember I was shouting, you know, and I was, I was shouting. And God spoke to me. He said, if you want to see a revival, I want you to do two things. He said this, and, and it happened to Ryan, but he said, he said, then have them wear it and declare it. To wear it and declare it. Wear it and declare it. Wear it and declare it. Come on, somebody say with it. Say, wear it. Come on, and declare it. Wear it and declare it. And I felt God say, wear it and declare it. And I'm thinking, well, what does that mean, God? And I felt in my spirit right away that said, hey, we've got to begin to not only just, just pray for it, but we've got to begin to get in a place of faith for it. And so one of the things that we're doing is I know this sounds simple. I know that a t-shirt won't won't make a revival happen, but here's a, I'm going to show you this design that we're coming up with. Here in just a few weeks, we're going to have this shirt. Come on, what I want to do is I want to make this available for every single one of you to have this shirt. Okay, it's going to, I can't give it to you, but I want you to make sure you go ahead and start asking your parents for $20 because we're going to get this shirt. We're getting it made right now. It's going to be here in just a few weeks. And what I want to do is I believe that God is doing something. I believe he's sparking a revival in 180. And so what we want to do, I want you to go ahead and just start saving some money. Come on, it's going to be 20 bucks. You're going to get this shirt, and I want us to begin to wear this shirt. Come on, just believe in God for revival. And the second thing I want us that we, that God said was to declare it. How many of y'all know that, that, Asking God for revival makes no sense. <laughs> Some of you are like, what are you talking? What do you mean? What do you mean? Sometimes we act like we want something more than God does. Sometimes we, don't you think if it was up to God, Colton, we would already have revival? But so we begin to pray for revival when God said, no, 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 revival's up to you. Ooh. 
Revival's not up to God. You say, what is revival? Revival is where the, the heat in our heart for God gets turned up. Come on, our passion for God gets turned up, and that's what I want to see. And it begins to take over every aspect of our lives, not just Wednesdays, not just Sundays, but it takes over every aspect of our lives. And so God said to declare it. And so as I was praying today, I felt God say this. He said, have them declare it. So here's what we're going to do. I wrote, I wrote this down in my journal, and, and, and God gave me seven sentences that we're going to declare, okay? Can we do that? Come on, can we declare that? Can we declare that revival is going to happen? Come on, in 180. Come on, can we declare that revival will happen in our schools, in our city? Come on, are we okay with just mediocre? Are we okay with just average church? Or do we want to see God do something? I don't know about y'all, but I'm not okay with just okay anymore. I'm not all right with just coming to church, checking it off on the checkbox, and saying, okay, I did it. I'm not okay with that anymore. I'm not okay. And so I'm going to begin to declare, and we're going to begin to declare that revival is happening in our city. So here's what I did. I wrote this down. It's not on the screen. You're going to have to listen to me. I'm going to read it all first, and then we're going to go back and we're going to declare it. Okay? This is what I felt God put in my heart. He said this, because it's a declaration, not a prayer, right? So here's what, I, here, here's what God gave me to write down. We are a generation in revival. Whew. We are a church in revival. We are a city in revival. Revival is breaking out in our schools. Revival is breaking out in our homes. Revival is breaking out in our hearts. And we will never settle for anything less. So here's what I want to do. I want us to declare this together. Can we do that? Come on, can we declare this together? Let's do it. Come on, I'm going to say it, then you can repeat after me. We are a generation in revival. Come on, I need you to say it like you mean it. We are a generation in revival. We are a church in revival. We are a city in revival. Revival is breaking out in our schools. Woo. Revival is breaking out in our homes. Revival is breaking out in our hearts. And we will never settle for anything less. Come on, let's give God some praise right there. Here's the thing I want to talk to you about tonight. God just kind of gave me, gave me a starting point tonight. Kind of gave me a starting point, but we're going to kind of see where it ends up from there. In Genesis chapter 8, it's going to be up on the screen, verses 1 through 5. It's talking about Noah. How many of you guys know who Noah is? Come on, if you're not even, if you're not familiar with church, at least you've heard of like Noah and the flood. Come on, all the animals on the ark. Come on, you know it. You've at least heard of it. Even if you've been taught that it isn't real, it is real, and it did happen. Come on. And this is the account that we're finding here. In fact, this is kind of on the backside of the flood, the great flood um, that flooded the entire earth. Crazy. I don't know how it happened. I don't know particularly in depth of too much of why God decided such a drastic move. But he did, and here's what it said. It said, then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were in the ark. 
And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the waters decreased. 150 days, y'all. Woo! Then the ark rested on the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. This is what I want to get to here in a second. On the mountains of Ararat. That, the mountains of Ararat, the highest peak is 14,300 feet. So the depth of this water, because I'll be real, I was researching, and I was like, God, how did you flood the whole earth? In fact, I was like, I don't think you did. But then I saw this. The peak is 14,300 feet. There is no way for the whole earth not to be flooded if the water covered 14,300 feet. Whew. And then watch. So the, wa- the ark rested in the seventh month, the seventh day of the month of the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. I want to talk to you about this for just a second. This idea that the ark came to rest on the mountain. Whew. The ark came to rest on the mountain. It, it, it's, it's interesting to me that God didn't let the ark come to rest in a valley. Come on, he didn't let it come to rest in the plains, on a plateau. He didn't let it come to rest in a city. He didn't let it come to rest in a forest. What he said, he said, I came to rest on the mountains. Came to rest on the mountains. I want to talk to you about this for just a few minutes. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your word today. We give you glory and honor that we are a generation in revival. We are church in revival. We are a city in revival, God, and we will settle for nothing less. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Mac, why don't you just stay there? Can you do that? Can you just play for me? I love it. I, do you guys like it when Mac plays? I love it. I love it. I love it. Here's what I want to talk to you all about. I'm going to kind of come out of the gates kind of strong. Can I do that? Usually I like to do, I have this preacher trick where like I introduce something then I back up away from it. But today I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. All right? I'm not going to do that. You know what, what was funny to me? I'm going to come out real strong right off the bat. Can I do that? All right? What was funny to me was it only took four days for y'all to get from the front row to the back row. It's interesting to me. I watched y'all at Revival up at the altar, praising God with all your heart. Then watch you on Sunday sitting in the fourth row. Then I watch you come into 180 tonight, and I can't even get you to praise God. What happened in four days? <laughs> I know you all are going to be like, what happened? If you didn't come to Revival, I excuse you from this. Amen. You are excused. No, no, you stay here. But like, you're, you, I'm not talking to you. I'm, sometimes, sometimes if you're coming here and you're not part of 180, sometimes you get, you, you know, this is your first time. You get in on a family conversation. Come on, right now I'm taking, I'm taking the role of, of daddy and, and you know, of, of pops, of father of this, of this youth ministry. And I'm kind of talking about sons and daughters. Okay. What happened in four days? That's you moved from the front row of praising God to the back row of watching worship happen. What happened? Because here's the thing. Revival 
was never supposed to be temporary. Do we just have to call it revival or can we actually experience revival? Because if it didn't permanently alter the state of your life, it wasn't really revival. It was four services. Did you have a revival in your heart or did you just have four services? And I know I'm kind of talking strong right now, but I feel like God is, is wanting to challenge us because, because you're allowing the fire of God to go out in your heart because you've not been a true protector of the flame. <laughs> what happened in four days, y'all? What happened in those, in those four days afterwards that you couldn't, make, you couldn't make the jump from Wednesday to Sunday? In a four-day period, I watched y'all move back. And the reality is, is, I want you to get this. Revival is supposed to permanently alter the state of our lives. There's a word called deluge. There's a word called deluge. It's, it's just a kind of a fancy word for flood. And that's what I think about revival. I think about God flooding our hearts, right? He's flooding our lives with his spirit. He's flooding our lives with his word. He's flooding our, our minds with miracles. And, and he's flooding us and he's deluging our heart and he's deluging our mind. And this is why I wanted to pull out this scripture because, because this is what happened to Noah. Noah experienced a flood, a deluge. But what I love about this is that God caused the ark to land on a mountain. Land on a mountain. He built it in the valley, but it came to land. When all the waters receded, it finally landed on the mountain. And here's what I want to get, here's what I want you to see. Revival is supposed to permanently raise the level of your life. You're supposed to land on the mountain and then never come down. You're supposed to land on the mountain and then never come down. You're supposed to land on the mountain and never come down. Now let's think about this for just a second. Can, can we step into Noah's shoes for just a second? Imagine. I like to jump in the Bible. I like to do what I call spinning it 360. I like to make it action I like to imagine myself next to Noah as the doors of the ark, the side of the ark opens and the door slams and hits the ground with a thud. What is it that he sees? What is it that he sees? I was just down in Orange, Texas, which is um, just a few months ago. It's, it's down by Houston. And so just a few months ago, I was there just a couple weeks ago. And the destruction that a flood brings is insane. It's insane what a flood will do. It, it's absolutely mind-boggling the amount of destruction a flood will bring. And so could you imagine a flood that involved probably around 15,000 feet of water and even more if it's covering all the peaks of the entire, uh, the entire earth? So you're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of feet of water. Not, not, not 10, not 20 feet of water. Not 30 feet of water, thousands, tens of thousands of feet. Crazy to think about. Can you imagine the amount of destruction? Can you imagine the amount of destruction? And not only that, the Bible says that the only thing that lived, unless it's like a fish or a shark or a whale or something, the only thing that lived were the beings that were on the ark. Eight humans left. The Bible says there was seven of every clean animal, the ones that they could eat, and two of every unclean animal. Fish, serpents, 
spiders, I don't know, whatever else there was. How many of y'all, I, I wouldn't want to be on that ark, I'll be honest with you. Come on, there's spiders. I don't know why Noah just didn't flick them off. Flick you right off the side. Come on, mosquitoes, why did they get on the ark? I don't understand. <laughs> but so here they are, there, there's everything. And so the only thing that survived was the thing that's on the ark. So you can, ima- can you imagine how many dead bodies and corpses were all around? Think about that. You're talking about the entire earth, every human, every animal. But what I love about this is the Bible says that he caused Noah to land above it. He caused Noah to land above it. And so though, although he could see it, he wasn't in it. Although he could see it from his position, he was no longer in it. You see, God had raised him up out of the decay of the world, out of the decay of of his circumstances, out of the dead relationships, come on somebody, out of the dead activities that he was doing, he raised him up out of it. And when he came back to the world, when, when the flood was finally over, all of that was now dead in his life. Now, what if Noah would have jumped off the ark. Here's, here's where my brain goes. Here's where my brain goes. My brain starts going, what happened? What happened? What happened? What if Noah had run off the ark and took it off, taken off running down the mountain and began to swoop up the corpses, saying, I don't know why, uh, and begin to embrace the dead things? What if he would have ran off the mountain, jumped out of the ark, ran down the mountain, and began to embrace the dead things, the things God was had allowed to die in his life. But the Bible says he doesn't do that. But here's the thing that you and I have a tendency to do. We'll go to camp. Come on, we'll go to revival. We'll come to 180, and God will kill something in our lives. God will kill something in our lives, but the next day, when we come running out of the ark, we go running down the mountain, we pick up that corpse. God is talking to some of you all about relationships you need to let die. Come on, let some relationships that are decaying that you need to let die. But every time God brings you to the mountain, then the next day you turn around and you run right back to it. And wondering why things are decaying in your life, it's not you, it's the things you keep running back to. If you allow yourself to be surrounded by dead things, you will soon take on a dead character. Ah! You see, you see, dead is doesn't mean cease to exist. Death means separation from God. So you've got people in your life that aren't going to cease to exist. But every time you get with them, they cause you to separate from God. I would call that a dead relationship because anything that's separated from God, God calls dead. That's so good. That's so good. You've got to stop running back to the corpses. Stop running back to the corpses. Some of you have wondered, God... You know, because you genuinely had an encounter at camp or at Fine Arts Nationals or a 180 service where we prayed for you and maybe you fall revive where you had an amazing encounter with God. But what happened was you had that in mountaintop on Wednesday, but then on Thursday you ran back down the mountain. 
and you begin to accept and embrace the things that God was wanting to decay. My worship team could come. I'm done. But God is wanting them to decay, but yet you keep holding on to them. You keep embracing them. You keep pulling them around. And God is even saying, why? What are you doing? You are working against yourself. God doesn't want dead things in your life. And that's why sometimes God will send a deluge, will be a flood, because he knows he needs to raise you up to another level. And while he does that, he needs to kill some things in your life. Stop picking them up. Stop picking them back up. Stop running back to those relationships. Stop running back to pornography. Come on, stop running back to who you were. Come on, some of you have even have even tried out for sports or enrolled in clubs that you didn't get it. That's God saying, hey, don't run to it. It's dead. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's dead. That don't mean you can't try out next year. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Doesn't mean you can't work in the offseason and, and, and try next year, but what I'm saying is, is God is saying, hey, it's okay. Let it go right now. Let it go right now. Let it go right now. Let it go. Let it go. Because you can't hold on to God's plan while you're holding on to yours. You can't hold them. They don't exist together. And anything that's pulling you and causing separation from God is God is saying, it's dead. Now let it rot. Let it rot away. What's interesting to me is that it takes a process for a thing to actually decay. It can die in a second, but it takes a minute for it to decay. And some of you, God has killed a relationship, but you've not really let it decay. Let it die. Let it get away. Let it dissolve out of your life. So tonight, I want to just pray for you. In fact, let's stand up on our feet. I'm done. I just want to pray for you. Because I believe God is saying, hey, I've called you to another level. I hear God just even saying, man, I raised you up to the mountaintop. What are you doing down there? What are you doing down there? God's saying, hey, it's time to come back up. Time to come back up. And here's the great thing about God. Even if you did that, <laughs> even if you were embracing the dead thing, guess what? Today there's forgiveness. Come on, God's grace is available today. Come on, every head bowed, eyes closed for just a second. Come on, if you've been if you've been that person, you say, "Man, Pastor Cody, I have I have not guarded my flame. I've I am that person who let God do something in my life at camp or at revival or even on a 180 night." Or fine arts. I let God do something, but I am, I have not, I have not kept myself in a place of passion for Jesus. But you're saying today I want to. I want to get back to that place. I I want to I want to get back. I get out of this valley and get back to the mountain. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right now? Come on. Let me see. And I see that. Come on, it's phenomenal. I love it. Hands are all over this place. Come on, you want to get back to the mountaintop. You want to get back to the mountaintop. Come on, that's amazing. Here's what I want you to do. There's something powerful about taking a, a step of faith. 
If you raise your hand or wanted to raise your hand, you say, man, I need to get back to that place of faith. I need to get back to that place of passion. God, restore my passion. Meet me up here on the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, make your way up here. If you're saying, God, restore my passion. your hands up in this place. Come on, let's begin to worship God with all of our heart. Worship team, lead us. Come on, worship team. Hey, I need you all to make a line. I'm going to actually pray for you. Come on, make make one line. Come on through here. I'm going to pray for you. Come on, lead us in worship right now. Fix my eyes on the things that I can't 